That's what it said in that, in that first song that we said. And I'm standing here to tell you today that could not be more true. That if we will submit ourselves unto the Lord, that he will do some things in our lives that we could never have imagined possible. And as I stand here today, I, that is my testimony tonight. Because if you could have asked me to plan my future, to predict what my future was going to be like, it would not be what I'm going to tell you that we're about to go and do. Because God's plans are just great. And I'll share a little bit of my testimony with you guys. Um, so I grew up, uh, didn't really grow up going to church or anything um, I, until I was invited to a pizza party in seventh grade. And that's what got me. And uh, my friend said, hey, come to church with me. I said, okay, that sounds good. Uh, he said, I mean, at first I was a little reluctant. And then he said, we're having pizza. And I said, okay, that sounds good. Uh, so I showed up and sure enough, there was pizza. He didn't lie to me. But there was another guy there uh, that, was, that was sharing the gospel. And, uh, and it was interesting because, um, you know, it's my first time really to be at church. And while he was sharing, while he was sharing uh, the gospel, I wasn't really paying attention. Um, it was all new to me. So I was just looking around. But he did catch my attention. He said, raise your hand if uh, you don't want to go to hell when you die. And so I raised my hand because, I mean, who wants to go to hell when they die? Not me. So I raised my hand and I said, you know, I, I sure don't want to. And, uh, and the thing was is that he caught, that caught my attention and I think that's where God kind of started to grab a hold of me. It wasn't the day that I was saved, although um, he told me to pray a prayer, and I did pray a prayer. Uh, the Holy Spirit didn't take up residency in my life, and I know that now. Um, but it wasn't until a little bit later uh, that I was actually saved in high school. Um, and I'll talk about that here, you know, more in just a little bit. But here's what's crazy. When I was in a senior in high school, you know, you get to that stage in your life where you're kind of worried about what you're going to do. Uh, with the rest of your life. And everybody always asks you the question, all grown up, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I was real close to growing up. And I needed to know what I was going to be. So I had all these questions, uh, you know, and I was just asking God, what do you want me to do? I had all my friends, you know, some going to the military, some, you know, going to colleges, they knew what they were going to do and all these things. And I'm sitting here and I had no idea what I wanted to do until the Lord placed something in my heart and he asked me to go into ministry. And it was through talking to some wise counsel, you know, and things like that, that he really called me and prepared me to go into ministry. But I would have never thought that in my life. That seventh grade boy that went to a pizza party, God was going to call into ministry. And that was kind of the beginning of it. And that, to me, was a crazy deal. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. Um, that's what I went to college for was music. That's what I loved doing uh, whenever I was growing up was singing. I was always in choirs and stuff. And, uh, and that's just what I wanted to do. And so as I sat there asking the Lord what he wanted me to do, I knew that he wanted me to go into ministry. I knew that I loved music, and it just clicked. Music ministry. And so I decided, all right, Lord. I started talking, seeking wise counsel. I said, okay, then that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, and, and I loved the idea. So I went to college, uh, got a degree in music. Um, I was looking for my first church to serve at uh, when I was a senior uh, in, in college, now engaged, uh, and then also worried because I, I was really about to be a grown-up now, right? And, and so I was kind of worried about things, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, I need you to, sh I need you to give me a church that I'm going to be at. I trust you. I know this is the plan that you've had for me, but you're going to have to you know, tell me where to go from here. And, uh, and so I uh, got online and looked around. I sought wise counsel uh, through some, some people in the Southern Baptist Convention, and they told me that I wasn't going to be able to be a music minister in a church full-time alone, that I was also probably going to have to do youth ministry. And I quickly told them, God has not called me to youth ministry. 
And that's what I told him. I said, I, he's, trust me, I didn't get any formal education. You do not want me in charge of youth ministry, all right? Opening the word and dividing the word for students, I don't even really know everything, okay? And so, I, you know, as I sat there and I told him, and he was, you know, in his 70s, and he's been through a lot, and he was telling me these things, and I'm like, well, sir, God's going to have to really show me if that's what's going to have to happen. And, uh, and so, you know, I just kind of told him. And, uh, and so I went out, and I went out looking, because this man was, was set that I would never find a job. And so that, that sparks a fire in me to go find a job where I don't have to be a, a youth pastor. I just do music. So wouldn't you know, I, uh, I, I sent a resume to a, a pastor named John Freem. He was his first pastorate. He's a pastor at Cyprus now. And uh, sent, a, sent a resume to him. And, uh, you know, I just said, hey, this is me. Um, you know, I just want to do music. You guys are looking for a full-time music guy. This was in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And uh, he shot me an email back, and he said, hey, I really appreciate that, but um, you're just a little too young, which I fired back a verse from Timothy that said, do not let them look down on you because you are young. <laughs> totally using that out of context. I told you, you do not want me in charge of, like, dividing the word, okay? And, and so I just told him, and he just thought, you know, anybody, anybody could have looked at that and just said, excuse me, you know, but he, he saw that and he thought, okay, this guy really wants to be here. So let's give him a chance. And so I went and I interviewed and the interview went really well. And they offered me the position and here I was full-time music minister, no youth pastor. You know who I wanted to call? I didn't though. I didn't though, because you know why? That church didn't have a youth minister. And three months later, guess what I became? That I became a youth minister three months later because they didn't have one. And uh, I was like, all right, God, I see what you did there. That's okay. God, and, and I'll tell you what, I, I, didn't, I was scared to death to be a youth minister. I really was. And it really took a move of God. And, and, and again, beyond my wildest dreams is what, is what he led me towards. And I remember standing in that, in that youth room the first Wednesday night. Um, that I was going to be opening the word and dividing it for those students. And my wife and I stood right in the middle and we held hands and we prayed desperately for God to show up and for God to not allow me to mess up these kids (laughs) that were coming to youth group. I wanted to be true to the word and I studied so hard and I learned so many things and God brought me so many places because there were students that were asking me, y'all been asked a question before where you're like, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. I was doing that a lot. All right, I was doing that a lot, and I did. I would go study, and then I would come back, and you know how much I grew from that and how much God showed me that? And I'm standing here in front of you right now, and I'm saying that if God told me one of two things, he said you could either do music for the rest of your life or you could do youth for the rest of your life. That's all you can do. You know I'd choose youth? I would. I'd choose youth because I loved being able to disciple students. I loved being able to, to share the word of God, and he developed that within me. And he's constantly always asking us to do crazy things. And, and, uh, and I've been at Cyprus about 10 years now. And a couple of years ago, God started to stir my heart. Have you ever had God stir your heart about something? And maybe you're, maybe you're doing something, you're in something, you just know that he's about to do something else. And that was happening in my own life. And I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. But do you know he started burdening my heart for pastoring? Beyond my wildest dreams. He started to burden my heart for that. And I started to really pray that God would show me what he wanted me to do and that he would lead me in that direction, all right? And it was interesting because it started 
probably, you know, a couple of years ago, we were visiting to New York City. Anybody ever been to New York City before? That place is crazy, all right? Um, we were hanging out in New York City, and I was just looking around, and I was watching a bunch of people walk by. It was early in the morning. I'd, I'd left my family at the hotel, and I thought, you know what? I don't want to see... I don't want to see the tourists anymore. I want to see the locals. So I woke up early, went to a coffee shop for the sole purpose of sitting down, putting some worship music in my head, opening the word of God, and just, and just watching. Do you guys ever people watch? That's what I was going to do. And it's great there because no one's looking at you. So you can just watch everyone. And so that's what I did. I started watching everybody walk by that window. And they were all commuters. And here's a couple things I noticed. Everyone was by themselves. Everybody had their headphones in. Everybody was just kind of walking, going their own way. Nobody was really talking to anybody. Nobody was really looking up at anything. And you know what I saw there? I'm supposed to be on vacation. And what I saw there was a bunch of people going nowhere. Well, they're going somewhere. But they were just going nowhere. And I just, started, I just started praying. And I was like looking at all these people just walk by. Just walk by. And I just thought, Lord, they have no idea. They have no idea about God. They have no idea about what Christ has done for them. They have no idea. And all they're doing is they're walking and walking and walking to get to their jobs or to get to wherever it is they're going. Because I'm sure they think that's going to bring them some kind of fulfillment. In their lives. And I know that whenever they get to that job, they're going to try and, you know, get a promotion and they're going to try and do well. And then they're, and in their minds, they've got this hope of something bigger. But what's crazy is whenever they reach that something bigger, it just leads to disappointment. And it just leads to being, leads to being unfulfilled in their lives. And as I watched them, I, I just remember going back after it was over. And I just said, went back to the hotel room and I talked to my wife and I just said, you know what, this place needs the Lord so bad. And I just said, this was a couple years ago, I said, I said, you know what, wouldn't that be weird to plant a church here one day? Wouldn't that be weird to start a church here one day? They need it. You know, and then you kind of pray, Lord, so send someone. <laughs> you know, and that was, so that was kind of it. You know, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be me. You know, again, I, I didn't go to seminary or anything. And besides, he's calling me to pastor our church. Never in my life thought it was going to be starting a brand new church, okay? I just thought he was calling me to pastor. So, you know, I go on and, I, and I'm trying to, you know, live my life, trying to really listen to what the Lord has to say. And here's what happens to me. About six months ago, I get a phone call from a church in Oklahoma. And they call me and they say, hey, we'd really love it if you'd send your resume in because we're missing it. We don't have a pastor. Our pastor's retiring and if you would possibly consider putting your resume in, uh, we'd like to consider you possibly to be our pastor. Because they, they got a hold of a video of me preaching somewhere, and they just thought, hey, let's, let's see if this guy wants to. Um, and, uh, and I just thought, wow, this, is, this would be kind of crazy. And so I started to pray about it. I started to pray and asking God if that would be um, his will for my life. All the while... God's still working this thing in the background, in my heart, cultivating things, all right? All these things he's cultivating. And so I go through the interview process, and, and I basically have the job. They've basically offered me the job. Now, here's, here's the thing. It's in the town I went to college. It's in the town I met my wife. It's in the town her parents live in. This is seven hours away, all right? They weren't too happy when I moved her and our three-month-old son first grandchild, seven hours away to Benton, Louisiana, all right? 
And, and here we are sitting on this, and I'm looking, and, and I've already got a network in the, in the area. I already know pastors at other churches. I already know the BCM director there. I already know all these people. And so I start to look at this, and you know what I start to do? I start to go, God, this must be your plan. This must be your plan. Do you know what my problem is? I'm guilty of thinking comfort's his plan. That's usually not the case. But here I am possibly mistaking this comfort for the plan and the will of God. But guys, he's always, to me, whenever I look in Scripture, he's not calling us out to comfort. He's calling us out on the waters. He's calling us to step out to where we're uncomfortable. Why? Because that's where we truly rely on him. And that's truly where we become weak. And you know why we need to be weak? It's so that he can be strong. And that's what he wants us to be. And that's what he wants to be. And he wants to be the one that receives the glory for those things. But you know, my problem is I was thinking, well, I can do this. I can do that. And I started to justify things in my mind because people needed Jesus in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Right? There's a church there that needed discipleship. So, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is what, this is what we're going to do. And then God really got a hold of my heart. Really got a hold of my heart. And he said, Greg, you're not called to be comfortable. Just wait for me. Because what I have for you is, is good. And I had to go home, and I had to tell my wife that this was possibly not what we were going to do. You think I wanted to do that? To tell her, hey, just kidding. We're not going to be going home to your mom and dad. <laughs> they're not going to be around grandparents and things. That We're going to be going, we're going to be going, uh, well, I don't know where we're going to go. Not real sure. And, uh, and you know what happened? I went home and I told her, and she said, I feel the same way. That's got to be the Lord. That's got to be the Lord. And so I had to go back to church. Brother John at Cyprus, we've been talking about it the whole time. He thought I was out the door. He's looking for new guys. All right. He's trying to figure out who's going to take my spot. And I walk in his office and I said, hey, um, I'm not going to go. And he said, what? I said, yeah, I just don't feel like this is what the Lord wants for us. And then he stopped for a second. And I could tell he was processing something. And he said, okay, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, talk to me. And he said, he'd just gotten back from sabbatical, all right? That's, that's pastor talk for long paid vacation, okay? He just, got, he just got back from sabbatical, all right? A whole month of July, I think. And uh, I know I need, to, I need to find out how to get that. But, uh, but you know, he, uh, I'm just kidding. That guy's got a stressful job. I'm like, please, take two months if you need to. But, uh, but you know, uh, he just said, I got back, and I was praying, and I was seeking the Lord, and I was trying to figure out what he wanted us to do. And he said, you know, and I'm reminded in Scripture that to whom much is given, much is required. And, uh, and he said, we're blessed as a church, and Greg, this is what I think. I think, that, I think that God's calling us to plant a church. And while I was praying about it, for some reason, he kept bringing your family up in my heart as the people to go and do it. He said, I didn't want to tell you that, though, because I didn't want to mess with what you were doing in Oklahoma. But this was what was going on. And I said, okay, um, you know, where were you thinking? He said, I was thinking New York City. And I said, I mean, I, he, he said, are you okay? Like, my, my face just was, was in shock because of everything that the Lord had been doing in me prior to that and showing me prior to that and I knew at that moment there was a reason I was sitting at that coffee shop and I knew there was a reason he started to put a burden in my heart for the people of New York City didn't know it at the time
But I had a choice now because you want to talk about beyond our wildest dreams. You want to talk about uncomfortable. Try, try, try to decide if you're going to move from Benton, Louisiana to New York City. Because, guys, that's not the same. They don't say y'all. I do. <laughs> and they laugh at me, okay? And, I mean, it just, it just was a thing that I just said, okay, well, I need to pray about it, right? And that's just, that just means I need to go talk to my wife. That's what that means. And so I went home, and, and, and I told Tamara about it, and I just said, hey, what do you think about this? And in that moment, she knew in her spirit, too, that that's what we were supposed to do. And, 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 and so we, we were just like, okay, God, we need to figure out whether or not this is going to be what it is. And so we took a vision trip to New York City with our pastor, and we just walked around, and we looked at all the people, and you know that same thing washed over me. And we can go a lot of places. I was talking to a lady tonight at dinner, and she was talking to me about New York City, and she said, you know what? I never thought about planting a church there until you just said that you were going to plant a church there. Then I thought, you know what? They do need a church there. Why is it that when I showed up, that's all I could think about? All I could think about is they need a church here. They need more Christians. They need more people of God to come and to try and shape a culture that is shaping our entire culture. New York City is shaping our entire culture. And he's calling us to go and do that. And I'm going to share with you guys just a little bit in the word. If you guys will turn to Romans chapter 10. I want to share with you what I'm seeing. And I want to share with you exactly what it is that God's showing me. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit um, just about Paul and kind of his heart for a specific group of people. Because it's interesting that he calls us to a specific group of people. Because I was teaching a, a breakout session at an evangelism conference last weekend. And there was a girl telling me that she was going to go plant in Chicago. And I said, wow, that's incredible. Because God had given her a heart for the people of Chicago. And then I was talking to another kid that does a lot of missions in Guatemala because God had called him specifically to Guatemala. He had a specific burden in his heart for Guatemala. Isn't it interesting that God gives us all individual, specific people that we're burdened for? You think that's for a reason? You think that's because we're called to the nations and we're called to everywhere? Yeah, we are. And so let me read to you guys just a little bit out of uh, Romans chapter 10. Um, Here's what it says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, misdirected for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself, refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. 
Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call, call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to back up to verse uh, 10, to chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. I want, to wa- I want to walk through this just for a second. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. And as I stand here before you, it's neat. It's so, it's so awesome that, that God had given Paul a specific desire in his heart for a people group. And as, I re- and as I've read this before, I've never thought in my own heart, God, what is the people group that you've given me a specific desire for? Because we desire everyone to be saved, right? Everybody. We could throw a dart in the United States and we could probably plant a church there. It probably needs to be there. But for some reason, for some reason, he's placed it in my heart specifically, in my wife's heart, my family's heart specifically, to go to New York City. Because for some reason, he's shown us that they are in so much need. And it says this, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that, that New Yorkers are some zealous people. But it's misdirected. It is highly misdirected. And you can't help but go and look at a people group that are passionate, passionate about so many different things. So many different things, but they're all the wrong thing. It's all misdirected. They're zealous for all these things that are just completely misdirected. All right? And I see that. I see them following their own way. He says in verse 3, they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. And I see that all the time there. They're following their own way, and they actually think, listen to me, they actually think that it's okay to murder a baby right before it comes out of the womb. They think, they think that's good. They think that's okay. They think, they think that that's the right way to do things. Church, we know that's not true, right? We know that's a lie. Straight from the pit of hell. Yet these people are falling for it. And they're zealous for it. Did you guys see? Did you guys see how they celebrated when the bill passed? Did any of you see that video? They celebrated when that bill passed. And everybody was cheering and clapping. And everybody was just so happy that, that, this, that this had happened. And so much so that, you know, uh, the monumental One World Trade Center that they built after the trade centers went down. The one that they built, you know they lit that thing at the top pink in celebration for what they had just done. They're zealous. They're zealous, but they're going the wrong way. They're going the wrong way. That's misdirected zeal at its finest. But they don't know any other way to act, you know. They can only do what's right in their own eyes because they don't have anybody to show them the way. And the Bible says that our hearts are deceitfully what? Wicked, right? And they're following their hearts. You ever heard anybody say, hey, follow your heart? Don't. Don't. 
because it leads you astray. These are people that are following their own heart, and it's just showing that they need the Lord. Um, and and it, just, it, just, it just breaks my heart to see those kinds of things. And you know what, guys? Whenever, whenever that happened, I don't know how many of you are on Facebook. Uh, people like to complain on Facebook. Have you noticed that? And they like to share their opinions on Facebook sometimes, too. I'll see some people, and I'm like, you've never said two words out loud my whole life. I've never heard you talk. But they are the sassiest person I've ever met online. And, uh, and as soon as that bill passed, as soon as that bill passed, I saw, I saw brothers and sisters of mine from this area putting New York City on blast. And they were speaking out against them, and they were saying all kinds of hateful things towards them and, and about this country and the way that our country is headed and all these other kinds of things. And I understand a, a righteous anger about things. I understand that. But whenever that bill passed, do you know what hit me? I didn't get there quick enough. We didn't get there quick enough. We need to infiltrate that place, and we need to show Christ to a, to, a, to a people who are lost and dying, and they're calling bad good and good bad, and they're going the other way, and we're watching it happen, and you know what? I can say a lot of things about them, but for some reason, God's calling me to go and show them, and all I can do is say yes to him. All I can do is say yes to him. Guys, Scripture defines what love is, all right? And if we're going to love people, that's showing them the gospel. And they've got a different idea of what love is. But I, I think we need to fix it. I think we need to go show them what true love is and, 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 and just let them know, hey, it's misdirected right now, but let me show you some things. Um, love is a salvation from our sins, and we see that in verse 9 through 13 right there where he's going in there and he's talking about, you know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then he goes on in 13, and I love this verse. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on his name. So I just need to get there and I need to find people who are going to call on his name to be saved. And I think that we're going to end up seeing a lot of people changed because of that. Everybody was born with a sin problem, and we're all in need of a Savior, and we've got to go show them the Savior. Romans 5, 8 says that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You and I, are you grateful for the salvation that you have? Do you want other people to have it as well? Because we know, we know the joy of the Lord that comes from that, and they don't have that. And we need to go, and we're the ones that are, need, that are needing to go, and we need to share that with anyone and everyone. And those faces in New York City, they're in need of a cure for sin. And I was reading in the news yesterday, and, and uh, you know, as, as, as you just watch everybody in, in New York and stuff, just totally hopeless about things. I, was, I, was, I came across an article, and it, and it broke my heart. I'll, I'll put a picture up on the screen for you guys, uh, a lady um, right here. Uh, this was the picture that came up um, in a, in a uh, New York Times um, article, and this was the headline in it. New York dietitian 27 hangs herself after posting a suicide note on her website. 
And I came across that, and I just said, I, 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 just, I wanted to read it. And here's what she had to say in her note, all right? So it said this, I have written this note several times in my head for over a decade, and this one finally feels right. No edits, no overthinking. I have accepted, I want you guys to catch this, I have accepted hope is nothing more than delayed disappointment. And I am just plain old-fashioned tired of feeling tired. I realize I am undeserving of thinking this way because I truly have a great life on paper. I'm fortunate to eat meals most only imagine. I often travel freely without restriction. I live alone in the second greatest American city. She was from San Francisco. However, all these facets seem trivial to me. It's the ultimate first world problem. I get it. She goes on to say, I also felt absolutely nothing during what should have been the happiest and darkest times in my life. And again, when I read that, I just thought I didn't get there soon enough. Because do you know what she says? She said, hope is nothing more than delayed disappointment. That's really what her definition of hope is. Do you know who told her that? The devil himself. Because here's what scripture says in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Guys, we have that hope. Raise your hand if you have that hope. We have that hope inside of us. And I want you to look right up here at our, at our, uh, our church name again, that, that original slide right there. This is where this is coming from. Hope Community. Because here's the thing, those people that I watched walk by, they were all hopeful in a bunch of things that were going to let them down. This girl right here, she was hopeful, and she found out that it's just everything that let her down. But what if, what if there was a, a believer that lived next door? What if there was someone that had a church that was passing out something that just said, hope community, hey, come get a different definition of what hope is. Give this one chance. And we were able to share with her maybe the hope in Christ that could have changed that completely. And here's what's crazy is that whenever we go, those people are going to be everywhere. And you know what? I'm going to find them. I'm going to find them. And I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to look as hard as I can and I'm going to share the hope of Christ with every single person that I'm able to come in contact with. You know why? Because he saved me. He saved me. And because he has saved me, I want to go and I want to share that salvation with everybody else that I can come in contact with. And here's, here's a cool thought. There's someone walking around in New York City right now that is lost, but in a couple of months they're going to be found. And I love that. And I love that thought. And I can't wait to see God bring his children home. And I can't wait to start ministering to people. That way we can see the gospel start to spread like wildfire, hopefully. I'm praying. You guys pray with us through a culture that needs it, needs it a lot. So, I heard somebody say this the other day, and this is kind of what I want to challenge you guys with today. Because this, this, this part right here at the end of, uh, of Romans, and, and, I, and I'll read it one more time, and then I want to challenge you with this. It's in, it's in verse 14, chapter 10, verse 14. But how can they call on him 
to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is something I want to share with you guys. I heard someone say this the other day, and, and, uh, and it just kind of struck me wrong. Because again, God hadn't called us to comfort, right? It just kind of struck me wrong. And, and I was talking to them, and they were talking about, um, we were talking about selling our house. And they were talking about building their forever home. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a forever home. It's not here. (laughs) It's not here. And guys, whenever we're thinking that way, we need to check ourselves. Because we cannot, we cannot get comfortable where we are. We have got to find ways to step outside of that. To go and to share the gospel. I'm not saying move to New York City. Although if God's calling you to it, you better go. But I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying do any of that kind of stuff. But guys, listen. There is a greater calling on our lives than to live next door to our moms and dads. There's a greater calling on our lives because we, we would love to have lived next door to her mom and dad. But there was a greater calling on our life than to do that. There was a greater calling on our life than to be comfortable, although we desire it. Don't we? We desire it. We really do. Everything it seems like we do, it's to be more comfortable. But he hadn't called us to that. Here's what he's called us to do. It's real easy, yet it's really difficult. It's one word. Obedience. And that's all he's called us to do. And what that looks like for you, I don't know. All I can do, all I can do is stand up here and tell you guys what that looks like for me right now. And what that looks like for my family right now. And the only thing I can do is I can pray that God will use this guy who is a nobody to stand up here and to be vulnerable before you saying that we're about to sell everything we own. We're going through memories upon memories. And we're getting rid of them because there's a greater calling on our life. And the only thing I can pray that happens is that you seeing me stand up here today, that God would maybe impress on you to do something. To step outside of your comfort zone a little bit. And to seek those who are lost. And to seek to go after those who need the love of Christ. Because like I said, it's not just New York City. How many of you guys work somewhere with people who are lost? Anybody? Yeah. Some of you guys go to school with people who don't know Jesus. Some of your next door neighbors don't know Jesus. Some of your family members, they may not know Jesus. Where's he calling you? What's he calling you to do? What's he, what's he calling you out of? Can we step outside our comfort zones? Can we do it? Are you willing to do it? Is he worthy enough to do it? And I say he is. I say he is, guys. You know what? I feel like that's, I, I feel like that's where I need to just leave you guys tonight. I feel like I need to leave you with that. Um, whatever he's called you to do, just say yes.